0: Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I have the pleasure of having DeLon Cantonberry on today. He is a fellow pharmacist. We've had a lot of pharmacists on lately, and he thinks a little bit along the lines of, of how Janet and I do, if you follow us enough. Um, you know, we believe that a lot of medication that is, that is uh, prescribed doesn't need to... Um, people don't need to be on them long term. So Delon actually has his own medication consulting business where he helps to de-prescribe medications, working with the patient and the patient's prescriber to get people off medications. So if you're on any medications and you don't think you um you are questioning that um and you're wondering how to get off medications, this podcast is for you. So so tune in until the very end. So Delon, welcome to our show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. So tell us a little bit about what you do and what deprescribing is.
1: For sure. So I am a board-certified geriatric pharmacist, as well as the founder of Geriatrics. And so we focus on providing uh, deprescribing action plans for some of our over-medicated seniors. But not just that, we also talk about some of those social barriers we support with looking for financial resources and advocacy and really focus on the education around the medications and how we can consider other alternative treatments uh, to help people get to their healthcare goals. So we've launched in, in 2020, and we also employ the power of pharmacogenomics. So we also use genetic testing for all of our patients who qualify um, with our de-prescribing action plan. So. As you know, we, we have way too many seniors uh, being sent to the ER for preventable side effects and drug errors, and so we got to do something to hit that number, and I feel we're not doing enough in our healthcare system to leverage pharmacists and deprescribing advocates, which is what I aim to do with our Deprescribing Accelerator program.
0: So tell us uh, a little bit more about the de- um, Deprescribing Accelerator program. Yeah, for sure. So we have created,
1: and this has really came from my past five, seven years in pharmacy, of really teaching like-minded clinicians who are passionate about stopping harmful meds on how to incorporate some of our pharmacist brain and use that to advocate for patients. So it's not all about to know all these meds. It's more about how are we showing up as advocates, you know, asking questions like, are you on more than five meds? Have you had any changes in side effects? Have you had any more falls lately or changes in mood or pain? Just asking pers- probing questions to empower not just the patient, but also the caregiver. So, our D prescribing accelerator program is actually CE accredited, it's intended for prescribers, so physicians, PAs, NPs. Uh, pharmacists, as well as social workers who are looking to really employ and implement deprescribing within their business. So we're doing this over the course of three months. Uh, We're actually going through our final cohort of the year right now, but we have another one we are currently uh, interviewing for that will start in March of 2023. So it's a hybrid of Didactic learning, where you will learn tips for opioid deprescribing, dementia deprescribing, um, genetic testing as well. But we're also going to touch on how we can help you, the clinician, leverage this into a sustainable business model. So you're getting a mix of coaching as well as clinical deprescribing that's evidence based in, in practice.
0: So tell us a little bit more about this CE program. Is this available on your – is there more information on your website about this? Yes. The
1: best way to find out more will be on my LinkedIn page on uh, – look up my name, Delon Canterbury, or search geriatrics on LinkedIn. Uh, On my homepage, there's actually an application link to apply for it, as we do have a pretty rigorous application process. We really want passionate people who want to make this sustainable – and lead with a heart of service, not with just trying to make quick money. It doesn't work that way. You have to really have a passion for this. So you can find out more on LinkedIn. Uh, just look up Delon Canterbury or Geriatrics and you'll find an application on my homepage.
0: So can you give us some examples? Like what is the most common medication or maybe class of medications that you deprescribe?
1: I would say one of the not necessarily easiest ones, but one of the more common ones are proton pump inhibitors, as Mm -hmm. well as uh, certain over-the-counter medications that may be used inappropriately, and some multivitamins that no longer have any clinical utility. Um, So I would say proton pump inhibitors are what I see most. People have a little issue 10, 15 years ago, and they've been on that Omeprazole for the next twenty years, right? So, right, we see it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, you see it all the time, and and no one questions it. So, it it, it will take a bit of a tapering strategy with some of those. Some people get rebound, you know, acid reflux, which is what they were treating. Um, Some people don't have any issues at all. So, it does depend on how the patient responds, but. I would say PPI is be very problematic as we age because of the nutrient depletion. You know, you're not getting magnesium. Uh, you're not getting other, uh, other vital nutrients, as well as the, the gut microbiome is completely trashed now Like we've really reduced the acid secretion. And so the, the bacteria that's good that's meant to be in there that actually is linked to immune function and, and cognitive impairment and other life, uh, life, uh, factors, you know, that's all wiped out. So there needs to be a bit of a process on, on restoring some of those, those healthy gut flora. And as we age, we can become more susceptible to harm. So very, very important to get those tapered off.
0: Yeah, we have talked about that multiple times on our podcast about PPIs and just the damage that they've done to so many people. And when you look at the package insert, I believe you can help me out with this, Talon, but I believe they're really still only indicated for six weeks. But yet, like you say, 20 years, people are on these for 20 years at a time. And Mm -hmm. our stomachs are meant to be acidic. If you have chronic problems with reflux there's other issues going on you know um don't just wipe out all the acid in your stomach because the acid is meant to be there for a reason so um yeah and and i will say that um i've never really experienced somebody that's been on chronic ppis i haven't experienced that it's ever easy to get off of them i mean you but you say it, it is you've seen that before some people can cold turkey yeah. it because truthfully, there probably wasn't really an issue. <laughs> right. with. Uh, right.
1: But no, right. most you you, you do kind of have to, to taper a little bit. Um, and sometimes you can use like uh, as you're weaning down on one, you could try another for temporary purposes, like maybe Tums or a uh, ranitidine or something like that or H2RA or histamine blocker just again for a trial while short term and short term you know we're not (laughs) going to repeat the problem and keep that on so it could be a tool or a strategy to employ um but yeah no it's it's not easy for sure it's definitely not easy it's subjective to the patient
0: so what what how did you initially get into this um you know usually there's there's some kind of story or uh uh Uh, aha moment where you, where you did this, or did it just kind of progress over time? For me, you know, I was a pharmacy manager with
1: Walgreens uh, after graduating from pharmacy school in 2014. And uh, after three to five years of leading a team to basically tell people to take 90 day scripts of meds they don't need, I started getting a little bit, frustrated with our health system and angry at seeing how many seniors in this rural setting that I was in in Henderson, North Carolina, were just falling through the cracks, right? I mean, social stuff was missing, transportation, all these social barriers, as well as me trying to navigate getting you the best coupon because you're in a coverage gap and your co-pays 1200 bucks. So it's like, we're putting all this money into drugs we're making people pay for it who can barely afford it on a fixed income who get 700 bucks a month to live on from social services, social security. And you want to come to my counter and I I, I have to fix all these problems in, in, in five minutes before I have to go do a flu shot or a COVID shot or whatever BS metric that wasn't really helping the patient. So right. I got depressed. Um, I'm not saying anyone, you know, I'm poo pooing the job, but It it was something that spiritually wasn't in alignment with me. So I felt, okay, what if I create a concierge package that can hit some of those main issues with a med review, right? And and just give this concierge approach to care and kind of just flip the script on how we're approaching our pharmacist intellect, right? Because we're all experts on the drugs. So that that got me in the space of volunteering and working with senior facilities, speaking at nursing homes. Uh, attending caregiver conferences and it opened my eyes to a whole world of everyone needs a pharmacist, right? Especially in the geriatric space. So for me, it was seeing what I was seeing in retail, um, and then secondly, uh, my grandmother actually had dementia, and while she was in a nursing home, she was inappropriately prescribed uh, ziprasidone, an antipsychotic. Uh, with no history of bipolar or schizophrenia. So they put her on antipsychotic, her dementia symptoms worsened, her behavioral symptoms got so bad, they had to kick her out. And my parents had to move her in from Atlanta, I'm sorry, from New York to Atlanta, where my parents reside and where I grew up. So I wasn't quite a pharmacist yet, but having to see the hell my parents went through as caregivers and full-time parents, full-time Employees, uh, I don't want people to relive that. I don't want people to experience what my grandma Mildred did. So that always stuck with me, and I felt, huh, how many more people are falling through the cracks or dying and it being mislabeled, you know, or or being forced into a nursing home because of one pill, you know, because of one pill. So right. that was my mission behind geriatrics, and that's our honestly, our, our
0: ethos when we treat all of our patients is to treat them like they're your grandmother. So give us the most extreme example of medications that you've deprescribed, like multiple medications for a patient and how much money you save them. Do you have any kind of examples of that?
1: I would say our hallmark case was our very first client who, when we found her was on 36 medications. This was a 70-year-old woman. Yep. Crazy. Wow. 36. Um, 36. And, and she was essentially described as a walking zombie. She was unresponsive. She was kind of wasting away in her caregiver's home. Uh, wasn't really all there. And the caregiver was was distraught because she didn't want her... You know, golden years to be spent in in this kind of zombie state. So, this woman had multiple prescribing cascades, multiple duplicate therapies from two or three different nursing homes she was in and out of, um, and no one wanted to touch the meds. No one wanted to touch the meds. So she was seeing a neurologist, she was seeing cardiologists, specialists. And PCP and there was no crosstalk. So all these meds were causing issues. There were about seven prescriptions that were all involved that led to the worsening of her dementia or cognition. And they were because she was suffering from anticholinergic toxicity. So she was on Seroquel, she was on Benadryl, she was on Tylenol PM, she was on tropsium. Uh, she was on like everything that's bad on the beers list for anticholinergic toxicity and having mild cognitive impairment. So we were able to successfully de-prescribe her over two months. Uh, uh, some of them cold turkey, some of them you had a taper, like the Seroquel, we were able to taper. Um, uh, over two months, we were able to get her down to eight prescriptions, which is amazing. Uh, and that she's wow. doing better. She, I mean, I called them maybe like a two, three weeks ago or a month ago, and she's doing great. She, she was at the beach this summer. She's living her life. She's doing her thing. She, she's back. You know, her grandma was back. So it was something that uh, was not only my biggest win, but it was proof that this was the calling I, I needed to serve in, uh, in my career and in my field.
0: Twenty-eight medications you de-prescribed, basically. Your help help de-prescribe. Yeah. You have any um, idea f- um, or just estimate about how much that was costing per month?
1: She was on Medicare, so a lot of her meds were fairly inexpensive, either between you know no charge to dollar twenty three sixty or whatever. So the price was, you know, somewhat negligible. But with all those meds, she you know, as you can expect, wasn't even as compliant. So she was hoarding meds. She had stuff from years ago. So I don't really have a cost for you. I, I do know that because of this testimony, we ended up giving a report on this very same patient in the court of law. And so the ugly side to this story was that her family was actually going to involuntarily commit her into a nursing home, into a memory care unit, because they were convinced it was her, not the pills this woman would have been paying close to 11K a month. So in terms of cost savings, we have saved them well over quarter million dollars in the past two years because they would have otherwise been forced into a nursing home and be paying out of pocket for
0: that. So I can tell you that cost savings. Wow. And and is it safe to say that the medications um, were, were, was costing Medicare thousands of dollars per month?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. a waste
0: of yeah taxpayer money. And yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. Wow. Wow. That's quite a story. So and now she's, she's independent now. Well, she's, she lives with her daughter, but she's good. Yeah. She's,
1: she's on still eight meds or 10 meds. Yeah. I think she added one or two more
0: on, uh, but overall she's fine. She's great. Yeah. So what is your, um, how, how, how does, how does, if, if, if a, Um, patient or a family member of a patient or a caretaker has a question about deprescribing. what's the best place to look? I mean, how do you go about, how do you go about this? Do you, do they ask their, their doctor about it or? um, Ask your pharmacist. Ask your pharmacist. Yeah. Yeah. Ask, uh, your
1: pharmacist is still probably the easiest person to access, even though that's a little grain of salt, given it's COVID season, it's flu shot season. Um, but they're the fastest person to talk to objectively about whether you should be on some of those or not. Now, not all of them are going to be trained as geriatric pharmacists. So it does help to have someone who specializes in understanding senior care and the pathophysiology behind it. But even so, if your loved one is on five or more meds or seven or more meds, we know that statistically there's an increased risk of harm, hospitalizations, drug interactions, polypharmacy, all that jazz. So, so with that risk factor in mind, you're going to want to talk to your pharmacist first, try to get an objective opinion. And then immediately, if you're in that category, start messaging your provider in my chart or whatever system you use and say, what can we do to safely get Louise off of all these meds? You know, and just... Make that a continuous process. It's not going to be a one-time thing. You need to ask this on every visit and have a targeted and consistent uh, approach to to taper these meds and stop some of these meds that are inappropriate.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, that's a really good tip. Thank you for that. Because one of the things is it's dynamic. and, And one of the things is in our healthcare system, because of the way most providers don't have enough time or don't take enough time. I don't like making the excuse not having enough time. It's like they, they make the choice to not have enough time um, usually because of, you know, you know insurance contracts that they have entered into. Um, and so it's easy when somebody has a complaint like, you know, um, acid reflux, you know, they're they just to prescribe another drug. When in reality, it might be a diet lifestyle issue. And so mm-hmm. – it's easy, you know, pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies have made it pretty easy to prescribe a drug instead of really going over lifestyle changes. So it's really easy yeah. at almost every visit to add another drug to a patient's regimen. Is that, is that correct? Oh, yeah. It's, the, what's the,
1: it's what they're trained to do. It's what our system is trained to do. It's geared towards a fee-for-service model. Um, it's easier to prescribe than not. That's that's Western right. medicine, right? In its core, right. so we have to really tackle this medication mindset that has been forced upon the American community from direct to consumer marketing of all these pharmaceuticals. And truthfully, our education, prescribers don't know anything about de-prescribing. They're not taught about de-prescribing. They're taught about prescribing and diagnoses and and have their own specialties there, but. America's behind. Uh, I mean, when I look up deprescribing, it it comes from other countries, Canada, Australia, uh, Odin. There's there's European deprescribing networks. We just started our very first deprescribing network in 2019 in the US. So we're we're, we're years behind, but we're starting to pick up steam. So I'm going to give us some credit. But the truth is, our systems are so fragmented. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to, well it's difficult from a policy standard to really make this the standard of care. It can happen. And it does happen within our own worlds. Uh, my job is to make it
0: universal. Yeah. It's just something we have to all be paying attention to. Cause what, what we're, what we're doing is not working. We, we can't continue to just keep putting people on chronic medication after chronic medication. That's right. just, and I don't care what studies quoted. I don't care what, Pharmaceutical company says it's just not long term, it's not good for patients to be on multiple drugs like that. I just, I just really don't even,
1: we don't even have evidence like
0: past three years for most
1: medications that people are taking. And then we're using data from the 70s and 80s for drugs grandfathered in and assuming people of different ethnicities and cultures will respond the same. We're not even using genetic testing the way we should. So, how can we just assume that these meds are going to be? you know, universally great for everyone. They're not. So, and I'm not poo-pooing meds. I, we need meds. I get that. Yeah, right. Um, but there right. needs to be I mean, a, yeah. a more uh, judicious approach on how we're prescribing. So there needs to be a change in prescribing habits. There needs to be a change in policy, incentivizing deprescribing. There needs to be a concerted social effort on educating communities about the power to deprescribe. Because they don't even think to ask they can get off some of these meds, right? That's a whole other issue in itself. So it's there, there's a compounded multi-layer issue with multiple competing uh, priorities for different uh, players. But even so, if I see that our own VA health system is successfully using D-prescribing,
0: then why can't the rest of us do it? We can. We just choose not to. So... That's yeah. And I think it's instrumental that pharmacists have to get involved in this process. Yeah. Um, you know, we're really, you know, we're the drug experts, right? So we're the ones that really have to get involved. And, and I think first and foremost, it, it, it goes with us educating the patients. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, we're the ones that see them more than any other healthcare professional. We need to educate them. And it's like, you know, do you really need to be on these drugs? And I know as a pharmacist myself, um, I don't do. We don't do traditional pharmacy, but um, we do a lot of hormone replacement stuff, and you know. But we'll get patients that call in, and they're on a, uh, you know, a statin or a blood pressure medication or or whatever, and it's like, well, you know, if you make some lifestyle changes, you might not need to be on these medications anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and we just have as pharmacists, we have to continually remind patients about that because we're the one, we're the only ones that are probably going to.
1: Absolutely, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's, it can't really be said any better. It's, again, a mindset shifting that we need to prioritize. Um, but a lot of it starts, again, with, with a conversation and a trusted provider who, who has their best interests at heart.
0: Awesome. Well, Delon, you really helped us realize our goal today of educating and empowering individuals to take charge of their own health. And pharmacists are part of that team. Um, tell us a little bit about what do you, what do you have a passion for? Uh
1: apart from senior care and patient advocacy, uh I really enjoy playing the cello and I really enjoy uh playing video games and, and hanging out with my dog Kaya, who is in here sleeping. Um, <laughs> but travel is probably my number
0: one passion. Awesome. Love it. So tell us, I'm gonna stream your website here and tell us a little bit about your website and how to get a hold of you. Yeah, the best way to reach me
1: um, is uh, checking out geriatrics.org, G-E-R-I-A-T-R-X as an x-ray.org. You can also check out our LinkedIn page. We have tons of content. The best thing you can do is binge some of our red pill versus blue pill. We have a video series talking about deprescribing, and we go live every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Again, talking about the issue, talking about how pharmacists need to be embedded into non-traditional roles as experts, as consultants, and can really move the needle on stopping 750 seniors being hospitalized every day in this country.
0: Wow, that is a powerful number. 750 every day. day. That is very powerful. From drug interactions, basically, or drug Drug side effects? On drug side, yeah. next year. Wow. That's in, that's incredible. I mean, that's that's a big problem. And as far as we can help fix that. So thank you so much, Dallon. Um, I really appreciate you being on. Um, let's stay in touch because I'm sure you got a lot of other subjects that we could talk on. Love it, man. Have a great week. Right. Thanks for your time. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Monday, our regularly scheduled uh, podcast, 1230 to 130 Pacific Standard Time, we will have Dr. Brad Brown on. We've had him on before when he was a resident physician. Now he is, has his own practice Uh, direct primary care practice. He's going to be telling us how he is helping patients. And he and his brother helped develop a software um, specific for direct primary care doctors. So stay, any doctor, if you know, is in direct primary care looking to go into direct primary care, um, please let them know. uh, Monday, 1230 to 130 Pacific Standard Time. Delon, thank you today. Yes, take care. All right. Bye-bye.